Well, the story of the Bible is very simple. The perfect God brings sinful man back to himself using his son, Jesus Christ. The story of the Bible is reconciliation. God reconciles man to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And the truth is, I mean, that God loved the world. God sent his son. And we think about this. The eter- Listen to this. The eternal God, who's always existed, became a human being so he could die for us, so he could pay for our sin. He rose from the grave to conquer death. And all who would believe, and not works, but faith, would have eternal life. One of these days, we say that Jesus is going to come in the clouds. What, what, what do we call that? The what? The rapture. And, and uh, the Greek word is harpazo, which means to snatch out, to pull out. And we'll be taken off the face of the earth. Have you ever thought about what we just said? Some people could say, wait a minute. Are you out of your mind? God became a person and died. Does that sound normal to you? No. Does it sound normal that God's going to come in the clouds and people are just going to disappear off the face of the earth? I mean, we believe that, right? But does that sound kind of weird to you? I mean, in one sense, that all of a sudden, one of these days, we're all going to be gone? People could say that you're out of your mind. Well, when Paul stands before Agrippa and Festus uh, and tells them, here's what, Festus says, while Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you crazy. What did Paul say? Well, we're going to see what he said and and how it fits together. So we're going to look at three things this morning quickly. Paul's message, the ruler's response, and Paul's response. Now, we saw uh, this Paul's message. We saw this last week. We just touched on it. I want to go a little bit more on it, but we saw it briefly last time. He comes before King Agrippa. So let's, let's get some background. In 2513, several days had elapsed. King Agrippa and Bernice arrived at Caesarea and paid their respects to Festus. Now, who is King Agrippa? You remember Herod the Great was, was the ruler uh, over all of Israel, and he's the, the, the king who killed the boy babies when Jesus was born. He had a son named Archibulus, and then he had a son uh, named Agrippa the first, and then there's this other son here named King Agrippa the second. That's his, uh, a son of King Agrippa the first. And Bernice is his sister. They're not husband and wife, although some there were rumors about them, even though they're not husband and wife, they're brother and sister. They've come to Caesarea. Remember, the the Roman ruler didn't stay in Jerusalem. He stayed at Caesarea by the sea, and they've come to pay their respects to Festus. Felix had replaced the guy by the name of Felix, and Felix's wife was Drusilla, and Drusilla is actually the sister of Agrippa and Bernice. So that's three of them, and they're all tied together. And so they come together, and several they came together to pay their respects to Festus because Festus has become the ruler. Well, some questions come up. While they were spending many days there, Festus laid Paul's case before the king, saying, there is this man who was left as a prisoner by Felix. And he tells him what happens. And, and they say, what exactly is the issue with this man? Have you ever thought about it? What was, what was the issue with Jesus? What did, what did they crucify Jesus for? What did the Romans crucify Jesus for? They actually found him not guilty, but they crucified him as king of the Jews. What did the Jews want Jesus crucified for? Because he claimed to be God. I mean, they just couldn't handle it. I mean, so now here is Paul, and Paul's been left in prison, and they said there's this man left in prison. What's the real issue? Well, here's what happens. They had these points of disagreement with the Jews 
about their own religion and about a dead man that Jesus, whom Paul asserted to be alive. Paul's message was Jesus died and rose again. That's what happened. He died and rose again. And so they had these uh, points. So Paul was saying that Jesus was alive, that Jesus had died and rose again. That's the gospel message, is it not? Don't we tell people, here's the message, Jesus died and rose again. What's the response to believe? What's the offer? Eternal life. So whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. And so we say, here's our message. And so Agrippa said, wow, I'd like to hear this man. And so Agrippa said to Festus, I'd like to hear the man myself, and tomorrow you shall hear him. So the Festus says, okay, we'll bring him out. And when we get to chapter 26, but basically the last of chapter 25, they come in with, with, uh, with verse 25, verse 23, or chapter 25, verse 23. So the next day when Agrippa came together with Bernice amid great pomp, and they entered the auditorium accompanied by the commanders and prominent men of the city, and at the command of Festus, Paul was brought forth. I always think it's amazing. Here is this guy coming in as a king and his sister coming in and they're all sitting down and Festus is the Roman ruler and all these important people are brought in. And then here comes Paul and he's been in prison for two years. How do you think he looked being in prison for two years? Probably in rags. And so I think probably one of the greatest men who ever lived is standing before these ridiculous people who think they're kings. Who think they're kings. And they better enjoy their rule now, then, because they're probably not going to have any rule in the future. Uh, I don't know what they believe. So they asked Paul to talk. And then when we get to chapter 26, this is where Paul begins his talk. And so Paul says, Paul gives his background as a Jew and a Pharisee. And he said, you know, I grew up as a, as a Jew. I grew up as a Pharisee. I, I studied. I knew things. I even I lived as a Pharisee. And I'm, I'm standing trial because of the hope of God. The hope of God was resurrection. That's, that's what he talks about. And he says this, why is it considered incredible among you people if God raises, does raise the dead? He said, what is so strange? Now think about this. Jewish people as a whole at the time of Jesus, they were confused. They had, they had the book of Job. They had other places. And Job said one day that he would stand up in his flesh and see God. People knew there was a resurrection. Pharisees as a whole believed in life after death. Sadducees believed in no life after death. They just said, this is when you live and then that's it. The Romans as a whole didn't exactly have any kind of life after death. They knew that there were this pantheon of gods and that the gods could do whatever they wanted. They knew there was a place called Hades which all people were thrown into Hades, and that's why Hades became synonymous with hell, even though Hades was just the place of the dead. And so when you start talking about resurrection from the dead, uh, we all know that when you look at the Scripture, there were people who came back from the dead, but it wasn't resurrection, it was resuscitation. Nobody has ever come back from the dead, never to die again, except one person, and that was Jesus. And so Paul says, why is it so incredible among you people that God raises the dead? Because that's what Pharisees believe. That's what we understand to, to believe. And he started telling them about how on the road to Damascus, he was going to arrest and, and basically bring back these followers of this way, this new way. And he met Jesus Christ, who had died and was now alive. He met him on the road to Damascus. And, and I said, he said to him, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. So Jesus was alive. The one who had died was alive. And so Paul says, he actually is the one who is alive. 
And so he went on and he kept talking. And you can just see Festus and Agrippa and Bernice, and they're all sitting there listening to this story of how he said, the one who died, I saw him on the road to Damascus. He was alive and talking to me. And then he says this, he gave me a commission. He told me what to do. Here's what you do. I want you to open their eyes. I want you to go to the Jews and the Gentiles, basically go to the Gentiles, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light, from the dominion of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who have been set apart, sanctified by faith in me. Paul actually says, here's what God told me to do. When I met Jesus, he gave me these instructions. I go to the Gentiles and I turn them from darkness to light. Now, Agrippa was a Gentile. Festus was a Gentile. Bernice was a Gentile. Or we think, we're not sure, because Drusilla said she was Jewish. We don't know. And we know that Agrippa sometimes claimed to be Jewish. We know that Herod the Great claimed to be Jewish sometimes. And so we don't know what these people, how they really were. So he said, I was sent to the Gentiles to turn them from darkness to light, from this fallen, dead world to light in Christ, from Satan to God. And the truth is this, unbelievers are children of the, of the devil. They belong to the devil. They're dead. And, but to become from Satan to God, to be children of God, that thy faith, they would receive forgiveness and an inheritance. That's what he was sent to do. What are you sent to do? To what? Make disciples. Make disciples. That's exactly it. You have, a, you have a commission. Every one of us in this room have a commission. It's as if God stood in front of you and said, here's what I want you to do as a believer in this time, in this time in the world, I want you to make disciples. I want you to go and be my witnesses, lead people to Christ, train them and equip them so they can do the same thing. That's, that's our commission. We have that commission. We're supposed to tell people about Jesus Christ. Now, Paul says, I have this, this commission, and that is to go to the Gentiles, turn them from darkness to light, from Satan to God, and that they might receive forgiveness. And then he says, notice, so King Agrippa, and listen, he's talking to, not to Festus. He's already talked to Festus. He knows Agrippa has come to hear him, so he's, he's leaving all of his information to Agrippa. And let me just say this about Agrippa. As I said, Agrippa II was the nicest of all the Herods, which is not saying very much, but he was the best one. He actually, at this time, was the one who would appoint, appoint the next high priest of Israel. He had that responsibility. See, by the time of Jesus, the high priest, you know, the, the Aaron was the first high priest, and his oldest son would be the next one. His oldest son would be the next one. His oldest son would be, and that's how the high priest came. By the time of Jesus, Romans had taken over. They had canceled everything, and they turned to the Sanhedrin, and they said, we decide who the priests will be. And that's why at the time of Jesus, there are actually two priests, Annas and Caiaphas. Annas is the father-in-law of Caiaphas. They're both priests of Israel at the same time. So this man, Agrippa, he appointed the next high priest. He actually thought of himself it's sort of Jewish. It's sort of like, I understand all of these things. So watch what Paul does. Paul knows it. So he says, hey, Agrippa, so King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to this heavenly vision. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. When Paul stands before God, you know what he said? 
Right, is he ready to die? I fought the fight. I've ran the race. I've kept the course. I've been faithful. I've done what he's supposed to do. When we stand before Jesus Christ, will we say, I fulfilled the commission you gave me. I fought the fight. I ran the race. I kept the faith. Can we say it? Can you say it now? Can I say it now? What's going to happen when we stand before our Savior? Paul says, I wasn't disobedient to what God told me to do. Oh, Agrippa. You can see Agrippa looking at him and saying, oh, okay. And then he says, I'm going to give you the information that Christ, the Christ was to suffer and that by reason of his resurrection from the dead, he would be the first to proclaim light to both Jewish people and to Gentiles. Christ was to suffer and by reason of his resurrection, this was the, the message that would go out to Jewish people and to Gentiles. Look what he says. The Messiah was to suffer. What is that? That's his death. Did the Messiah die? Psalm 16.10, the Messiah was to die and be raised from the dead. His resurrection be raised from the dead and be the light, the way to salvation to both Jews and Gentiles. See, so our message is for every human being. Our message is that Jesus died and rose again, his death and his resurrection, and whoever believes in him will never perish but have eternal life, everlasting life. The message is how to have life because people are dead. They're dead in sin. They're dead. Jesus has done it all, taken it away. And now all we need to do is believe and you have eternal life. So Paul says, man, this is, this is it. This is the message. And you can see Agrippa is, is probably going, wow. And Festus is going, what is this guy talking about? And so what does the ruler's response? While Paul was saying this in his defense, Festus said in a loud voice, Paul... You're out of your mind. Your great learning is driving you crazy. When he heard this message of there's a Messiah and he died and he rose again and whoever believes has what? Everlasting life, life forever. When he heard that message, when Festus heard that, he's saying, you're telling me that, this, that somehow God became a man, died, rose again, and gives life to believe. He said, you're crazy. You've lost your mind. See, this is, this is not a natural message. You know what a natural message is? Here's a natural message. Be good and you can get the God. The natural message is try to be good. Try to do good. That's what religion is. All religions of the world, just go check them out. What do you have to do? We have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. And of course, it's mixed into Christianity too. You talk to people and they say, you got to walk down the aisle. You got to give your life to Jesus. You got to get baptized. You got to turn away from your sin. You got to do all these things. And so religion is man trying to do something to get to God. And the natural message is do something and you can get to God. But the supernatural message is you can't be good. Jesus died for you and rose again and he gives you eternal life as a gift. I thought Brandy did a great job this last week clarifying over and over to those 230-something children that salvation is a gift. It is not works. It is not what we do. It is not what we keep on doing. That God has a gift for us, and it is the gift of eternal life, which comes simply by faith. And Paul tells that, and when Festus hears that, he says, that's crazy. You're out of your mind. That's crazy. 
And sometimes when you talk to people and you tell them that Jesus is God who became a man, died and rose again, and they'll say something like, that's stupid, that's crazy. That's not, that's not possible. I mean, that, that doesn't make any sense. Well, you're saved by faith alone. That's not right. I mean, you can't get something for nothing. I mean, well, you're telling me that God saves people without them doing anything but believing? Yeah. Well, Festus says, you're out of your mind. So what does Paul say? In verse 26, uh, Acts 26, verse 25, Paul says, Paul, I'm not out of my mind, most excellent Festus, but I utter words of sober truth. Now, I want you to think about that. Sober means serious aspect. Why is the gospel serious truth? Why? Because it's life or death, isn't it? If you believe, you have what? If you don't believe what? You're already dead. You're already dead in trespasses and sins. You're already separated from God. He that believes not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. It's sober truth because it is the message of life and death. That's why Paul says that, wow, when we go, we're a fragrance of life to life and death to death. When you tell somebody about Jesus and they believe, you give them life. When you tell somebody about Jesus and they reject, you're bringing them death. They're already dead, but you're bringing it to them. You're telling them, if you do not believe, you will never have eternal life. He said, it's a sober truth. It's a sober truth. And then he goes directly to King Agrippa. He says, I'm not out of my mind. And he says, King Agrippa, you know these things. Listen to this. I want to read the verses. He said, for the king knows about the matters which I speak to him about with confidence. King, you know what I'm talking about. You know about Jesus. You know about how he's the Messiah. You know how he died and rose again. You know the message. He says, I'm, since I am persuaded that none of these things escaped his notice, King Agrippa knows exactly what happened. For this was not done in a corner. And then he says, King Agrippa, you do believe the prophets, don't you? I know that you do. What did the prophets say? Isaiah said he's going to die. Psalm 16.10 says he's going to rise. Paul says, King Agrippa, you know the prophets. Remember, you're sort of Jewish, right? You're sort of Jewish. You know this stuff. You know this stuff. Don't you know this? You know these things. You know these things. And I love what Agrippa says. Agrippa replied, I don't like it like it, but Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, you will persuade me to become a Christian? He said, you're going to think by telling me all this, in this short a time, you're going to persuade me to become a Christian, to believe in the Messiah, the Savior. What would you say if he said that to you? Yes, that's my plan. I'd love to see you become a believer. Does Agrippa understand what he's talking about? What does Agrippa say? You're trying to persuade me to what? Become a Christian. You think he's got the message? Yes. You think he's understanding what Paul is doing? Yes. Paul's trying to say to this man, you understand who Jesus is, how he died and rose again, and he'll give you life, forgiveness, eternal life. You understand that, don't you, Agrippa? You know what the prophets say. You know it. He says, wait a minute. You're trying to, you're trying to make me become a Christian right now? Is that your plan? And what does Paul say? Yes. I want everybody to be like me. Paul says, I want everybody in this whole room, all those prominent men and all the people who came to hear Paul. Paul says, I hope 
everyone in this room is like me. And then Paul says, except without the chains. I, I, I don't want them to be chained up. I want them to be like me and have eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. I want to talk for just, just a few minutes about the word persuade. You notice he said, in a short time, you, you, you will persuade me to become a Christian? Yes, to be persuaded. What does that mean? So when we share the message, to be persuaded of something is to believe that it's true. To believe that it's true is to believe it. And so when a person says, I believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life, they are persuaded that Jesus Christ gives them eternal life. The Bible uses this a lot. You may not think so. You may say, really? I mean, he says it there. You're going to try to persuade me to make, basically me to believe, to become a Christian? Well, Acts 26, 28, yeah, how about this one? Acts 18, 4. He was reasoning in the synagogue every Sabbath and trying to what? Persuade the Jews and the Greeks. He's trying to make them believe. He's trying to help them be persuaded because, see, that's what it is. Salvation is we are persuaded, we believe that Jesus Christ gives us eternal life. Look at this right here. They said a day for Paul, people came to him at his lodging in large numbers, and he would explain to them by solemnly testifying about the kingdom of God and trying to persuade them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. And some were being what? Persuaded by the things said by Paul, but others would not believe. See, he actually uses being persuaded and believing as the same thing because he says, but some weren't persuaded because they didn't believe. And look at this one. Therefore, knowing the fear of God, what do we do? We persuade men. But we are manifest to God, and I hope that we are made manifest also in your consciousness. So he's all the way through the scripture, there's this idea of persuading. So listen, let me say this in a nice way. We're not just going out and saying, take it or leave it. We're going, we want people to believe the message. That's why when Paul said it, Agrippa said, you trying in such a short time to make me a Christian, to persuade me to be a Christian? Paul says, yeah, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. What are we trying to do? Be nice to everybody? I mean, we want to be nice to everybody. We want to be nice to them, let them go to hell, or do we want to sometimes try to persuade them to believe in Jesus Christ for eternal life? There's no telling how many children this last week heard for the first time in their lives that Jesus Christ gives them eternal life as a gift. And there's no telling how many kids believed. We don't know. Randy, do we know? We know some did, don't we? Yeah, we do. We do. How you feel about that? Isn't that the greatest thing you could ever think about? That some little child sitting here last week believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life. Because it was so clear that a child could understand it. Because when it's presented correctly, a child can understand it. And when you start adding all that junk in there, it messes it up and people get confused. Well, Paul says, yeah, Agrippa, I want everybody to believe. And so the king said, I think I've had enough. The king stood up and the governor and Bernice and those who were sitting with them. And you know what happens when the king stands up? It's over. It's over. The meeting is over. And what did they say? They said, you know what? He might have been set free if he hadn't appealed to Caesar. 
So you're appealing to Caesar. Once you appeal to Caesar, you, you appeal to Caesar and you got to go. So eventually Paul's got to get to Rome. He's, it's been two years already, but eventually he's got to get to Rome and eventually he's got to see the Caesar because he appealed to Caesar. Can't go back on that. And so they actually said, you know, I think we could have let this guy go if he hadn't already appealed to Caesar. You know what God says? God says, my plan to get Paul to Rome is by him appealing to Caesar. So, we had to trust God. Well, let me give you some applications. Let's, let us be faithful to share the good news message. What is it? It's our goal. Our goal is to make disciples, and that's to share the message. Tell people about Jesus Christ, that they believe and have eternal life, and then we train them, equip them. So we got to know the message. <clears throat> and I love John three sixteen. God so loved the world that's, that he gave his son, gave him to die and rise again. That's the message. That whosoever would believe, that's the response, would never perish but have eternal life. That's the offer. There it is. Whoever, God sent his son to die and rise again. Whoever believes in him will never perish but have everlasting life. You can take John 3.16 and you can share your faith with any person Anytime, place, anywhere. You don't have to memorize 27 verses. It's good to memorize verses. We want to memorize as many verses. Put the word of God in our brain so we can be ready to give an answer. But to share your faith, you only have to know one verse. You only have to know one verse. Seek to persuade others. That's the goal, isn't it? We persuade men. We persuade people. You're trying to persuade me, Paul? Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. I'm trying to persuade you. Some were persuaded and some wouldn't believe. So when we go out these doors, think about your neighbors and your friends, people you come in contact with. Who can we share this message with? Because it's the message of life and death. It is the sober truth. The second applicant, let's, let us realize that to some people, our message is crazy. It is. I mean, think about it. It is. Some people, you know, we're telling them what? That, you know, God became a man. Really? What are you talking about? God became a man. And then he died and rose again to pay for all our sins, the sins of every human being, past, present, and future. And one of these days, he, he, he went back into heaven, and then one of these days, he's going to come in the clouds, and we're going to go with him. And they could look at us and go, what are you talking about? That just seems weird. It does. But stand firm, because it's the word of God. It's true. It's sober truth. Because see, what's, what's the next event? Jesus is coming in the clouds. He's coming, and it's going to change the whole world. See, there's people out there called globalists and they think they're going to put all the world in one thing and they're going to, and one of these days we're all going to be gone and they're going to be going, what happened? And the one thing that kept sin from just taking over everything is going to be gone. We're gone. The salt and light of the world is going to be gone. And we're going to see what kind of world we got. We think our world's getting bad right now. Think what's happened when all of us are gone. Wow. Know the Bible. Because some people think it's... But know the Bible because you've got to be ready to give an answer because sometimes people are going to ask you questions and you can say, well, you know, here's what the Scripture says. Don't say, here's what I say. Say, here's what Scripture says. And take them to the Scripture. And that's why sometimes memorizing the Scripture is so good because you can share your faith. And you can say, well, John 5 says this. John chapter 3 says this. And you can do that. So know the Scripture.